and welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk about something that is pretty prevalent in our society today, in our country today, and that is hate. Why is there so much hate going on in this country? And that's going to be primarily what we talk about. But also, I want to talk about or maybe give examples of how others that were on the receiving end of hate, what they went through and how they might have responded to that hate that was addressed toward them. So stay tuned for that. It's coming up. And I know there's a couple things coming up that you probably don't know about that uh, I want to introduce to you. And so uh, that's what we're going to talk about. But first, March, the month of March, presents a lot of fun opportunities. What do I mean by that? Well, it's a, a month of new beginnings or new starts. For example, spring training, Major League Baseball. I've seen posts of some of you traveling to Arizona or maybe to Florida to see spring training games. We've got the World Baseball Classic going on in Phoenix, amongst other places, but in the United States, Phoenix, Chase Field. We've got, uh, well, the weather starts to change for the nicer, although this year, 2023, might not be the case, but usually spring, spring has sprung, usually starts in um, March. And then you have March Madness, the NCAA basketball tournament. And the one thing that is synonymous with the NCAA basketball tournament, the now 68-team championship bracket, is the Cinderella story. Which team, which team from maybe the smaller conferences or maybe which team that wasn't so good this year but did make the tournament, which one is going to pull the upsets, make the run in the tournament, maybe knock off some of those more favored teams, the Cinderella and the Cinderella run, the Cinderella story? Which team is going to do that? There's been many teams in the past that have stayed claim to the Cinderella story. Most of the time, Cinderella's time at the dance runs out, but they make a good run for it. In fact, I think the best run a Cinderella team had was, I believe it was 1984, when number eight, the eighth seed Villanova, knocked off top-ranked, top-seeded Georgetown, the Hoyas. And that's the lowest seed to ever win a national championship. But you always talk about Cinderella. You talk about upsets, buzzer beaters, that one shining moment. That's what uh, March and March Madness has become all about. Ultimately, the champion, sometimes it's the favored. Sometimes it's an upstart, somebody we didn't expect, unless maybe you're a fan of that school. Bracket busting. Maybe you fill out those brackets and you do some uh, bracket busting. Because your teams that you thought were going to go far, maybe lose out to the Cinderella team for that year. And so anyways, uh, it gets me thinking sometimes about life. You know, I think over the course of my life, there have been times where I have been that underdog, that Cinderella that has risen to the occasion, maybe got that job or maybe ended up doing something that never thought I would be doing. And so you would call it kind of like that Cinderella moment. Maybe you have had that Cinderella moment, pulling those upsets of life where you overcame something, where you were able to do something you didn't think you were going to be able to do. 
you were able to cut down the nets of life. That's what they do when they win the championship. They cut down the nets. Maybe you cut down the nets of life because you were a champion, overcame some things, or you put in your commitment, your hard work, your sacrifice, your dedication, or as they call it, your blood, sweat, and tears. And you brought out that inner greatness. You raised the standard. You took your passion, made it happen, and you let yourself be great. And you won that year, or you won that season, or you won that bracket of life. And then next time it rolls around, rolls around. And some of the greats, you think of uh, Coach K, synonymous with Duke. He has since retired, but I believe he won five national championships, probably amongst the most of modern college basketball. And he thinks, uh, and you think he's one of the greatest, right? He probably is, but you know that's what you think. You measure championships, but he didn't win every year. He was upset a couple times, lost big. In fact, Duke still holds the record for the biggest loss in a championship game, 30 points. I believe they're the only team to give up 100-plus points in the championship game when they lost to UNLV, but then they came back the next two years and won back-to-back. So sometimes even in defeat, we're building our success. We're building an opportunity to build a dynasty of success. And so as you're watching March Madness, as you're watching the Cinderella story, or maybe watching for Cinderella and her story in this year's tournament, keep in mind that life lessons can be learned. It's the, as the old ABC Wide World of Sports, the Open used to say, it's the thrill of victory, uh, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. That's what it is. So oftentimes, though, We can have those ups and downs, but in the long run, are we going to be a champion of life and cut down those nets when it's all said and done because we did our best? And so that's just something I wanted to start off the show with to let you know that in this season of March Madness, the madness of life, don't let it get you down. Sometimes it might be a buzzer beater. Sometimes it might be a blowout of 30-plus points. Sometimes it might be somewhere in between. But if you do happen to go down, come right back in the next bracket and keep going and keep going until you rise to the top and become a champion of life. So as we speak of champions of life, we take a look at some of the things that have been going on in the last few years. And obviously there's been a lot of hate going on. There's been a lot of hate filled speech. There's been a lot of hate filled actions. There's been a lot of disagreements you think back a couple of years ago and all the fights you had on social media over a certain illness that was going around. Perhaps you were on the condemning side of those that were a little bit more free thinking. Have you changed your tune? Perhaps there's other areas during the riots of 2020. Maybe you were all for Black Lives Matter, but did you fight over All Lives Matter? Things like that, Police Lives Matter. Maybe you were for uh, defunding the police. And so you fought on social media, maybe fought in the streets. We've often talked about what's in our heart usually comes out, right? If we have a heart of peace, a heart of love, that's going to come out. If we have a heart of hate and anger, that's also going to come out. And so recently I've been thinking about a lot of the the stuff that's been going on. And we never we don't talk politics as far as politics goes on the show. But there will be times that I use 
the political arena, just like I use the sports arena, just like we may use music or other avenues, other arenas to have analogies and to make comparisons and to talk about the, the subject of this, in this case, hate. But you think about the last couple of years in the political arena, how much hate has really come out. What do I mean by that? Well, again, some of you might be triggered because I'm going to use liberals, Democrats, and right away you might be turning off. But if you're honest with yourself, if you want to have an honest communication, because a lot of times this is a place that I like to use. This is a format, a forum to get dialogue going. There's many times I'll post like a 60-second clip maybe on social media, and right away I'll get hate coming right back at me. Well, it's like you didn't listen to the entire show. It's just a snippet of it, and right away you're assuming something. I attach the, the link to the full episode, suggest that they might listen, and then I get the hate right back. Why would I want to listen to that? You're just a whatever then. They go on to their tangent. But let's think about this for a minute. Let's use some examples that are out there and have been out there when it comes to hate and violence. So last couple of years, last few years, in fact, we've seen violence against supporters of the former president. We've seen violence against Supreme Court justices because of a vote. And it wasn't even because of the vote. They hadn't even voted yet or made a decision. It was because of a leak about an upcoming decision. And you had violence. In fact, you had someone arrested at the house of a Supreme Court justice wanting to assassinate him. You have violence against those who oppose LGBT and trans ideology. I mean, you think about, along with that hate, you think about the deceit and the lies from people in Congress, like Adam Schiff, like Eric Swalwell, Liz Cheney, and others, outright lies, to try to manipulate a narrative. You see lies from education officials, such as teachers, one teacher we played on the show before, a couple times, in fact, from Southern California. She was apparently an LGBT teacher, and they do the Pledge of Allegiance, and a student was like, how come we don't have the flag? Isn't it odd that we're pledging allegiance to a flag that's not existent?" And then she was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get it for you, and then she's not. She went on her video, her TikTok, to explain that the flag offends her, and then ultimately says that you can pledge allegiance to that flag, and it became the pride flag, and then she got canned for it. Get lies from school boards, from districts. We've talked about all those. And so you have basically society, and we're becoming a bunch of liars and haters, and it's getting to the point where violence is becoming accepted. Nobody's talking down violence. Nobody's saying, well, we can't have this violence going on. In fact, you had the She wasn't the vice president at the time, but now the current vice president bailing out rioters, BLM rioters, and others. And you might think that's okay, but never condemning the violence. We have district attorneys whose job is to prosecute criminals not doing their job, and some, like in San Francisco, getting recalled. Others in L.A. almost getting recalled. People not liking it. We think back to the uh, BLM riots of 2020, The former president, supporters attacked, pro-life people attacked. And yet society as a whole, not all of us, society sits by and watches it happen and does nothing. In fact, we might praise it depending on what our ideology is. 
because we would rather have that ideology or that agenda move forward than stand up for what is right. We might want to see parents who are concerned about what is being taught in schools, what their kid is being taught in schools. We'd rather have them be called domestic terrorists and arrested and get the DOJ after them. We'd rather see other people silenced by big tech and have governmental agency pay big tech a lot of money to silence an opposing voice, a conservative voice perhaps. And then there's most recently this. Jane Fonda, I'm sure you've heard about it unless you live under a rock. Jane Fonda was asked, I guess she went on a show and was talking about different things, but one of the things that was brought up was the fact that, you know, this pro-life or this uh, Supreme Court decision about uh, saying that abortion isn't a constitutional right and putting it back to the states, basically. In fact, they didn't even really rule on anything. They just basically said it was a state's right. So Jane Fonda goes on the show, and they ask her, besides protesting and stuff like that, because she's adamant that they're not going backwards despite what the laws say. And so she says this. We have experienced many decades now of having agency over our body, of being able to determine when and how many children to have. We know what that feels like. We know what that's done for our lives. We're not going back. I don't care what the laws are. We're not going back. I think the women will rise up. That's the activist. That's Jane speaking. Yeah. And, 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 and she probably will get a Nobel Prize. But it's very, the truth. Very, very soon. It, it is the truth. But we're I, not going to do it. Besides, besides marching and, and protesting, what else do you suggest? Well, well it doesn't happen murder. overnight. It's not a miraculous. <laughs> what did you say? Murder. <laughs> She's kidding. So there, she talks about murdering pro-life politicians. Now, of course, they tried to back it, back it off, say, oh, she's just kidding. No, she wasn't. She wasn't kidding. She's had a lifetime of hate. She's had a lifetime of anti-American rhetoric. She's had a lifetime of this hate in her heart towards others that oppose her views. And so she's calling for murder. And then as they were trying to backtrack on the show, you could see the expression in her face that she had no remorse over her comments. And it wasn't until a couple of days later when she got the backlash on Twitter that she started to then say, oh, I'm going to backtrack my comments. But yet people around her laughed. And then they tried to joke it off. Really? That's okay? It's okay to talk about murder? It's okay to talk about killing somebody else? I guess if you are... Pro-abortion, you're okay with that because, after all, you're killing a baby. Let's just be real about that. Whatever your belief system is, you're killing a life. But Jane Fonda, she's had a, a lifetime of this. Go back to Vietnam War. She got the nickname Hanoi Jane because she went to Hanoi, Vietnam, and pretty much got palsies with the Viet Cong. And then she made this statement about U.S. military prisoners of war in North Vietnam. According to international law, these men are war criminals. That's according to law, according to the Nuremberg Principles, according to the Geneva Accord and others. They should be tried in front of a court and probably executed for what they did. She's calling for the execution of U.S. soldiers, prisoners of war in Vietnam. 
So this isn't just a one-off for Jane Fonda. Her anti-American, anti-opposing view. She was anti-war. So anybody that she opposes or has an opposing view, she wants them killed. Now you might say that's too much. Well, is it? Is it really? I mean, she's somebody that's in the limelight, probably needs some sort of support. So she's probably wishy-washy along the ways. Maybe she wrote a book to try to explain herself. Didn't go over very well. Took pictures with North Viet Cong soldiers that were trying to kill Americans and then tried to backtrack it because it didn't go over very well. Said murder. But again, it goes back to the heart. What's on the heart comes out. And if you have love and compassion, understanding, forgiveness in your heart, empathy, you're not going to say murder. That's not what you're going to say. And yet she does. And then everybody just laughs it off, jokes it off, like it's no big deal. Really? Well, that's not the only only case. Remember that montage of violence by Democrats against Trump supporters and Trump himself? You don't remember that? Let me remind you. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. You've got to be ready to throw a punch. You have to be ready to throw a punch. Donald Trump, I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. That I thought he should have punched him in the face. I feel like punching him. I'd like to take him behind the gym if I were in high school. If we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. No, I wish we were in high school, I could take him behind the gym. I will go and take Trump out tonight. Take them out now. Okay. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Please get up in the face of some Congress people. People will do what they do. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. We're going to go in there, we're going to... This is just a warning to you Trumpers. Be careful. Walk lightly. And for those of you who are soldiers, make them pay. If you had to be stuck in an elevator with either President Trump, Mike Pence, or Jeff Sessions, who would it be? Does one of us have to come out alive? (laughs) Again, the vice president, does one of us have to come out alive? Killing somebody. Make them pay. Assassinating the president. Throw a punch. Have unrest. Take him behind the gym. Push back. Blow up the White House. This is all violent rhetoric. And you know that when the foot's on the other side, the Democrats condemn it. And they're outraged and the media follows it up. But again, hate. It's hate in the heart of these people. That's all it is. It's hate for themselves, probably. It's hate for their country. It's hate for opposing views. It's just outright hate. And in fact, you can really get down to the heart of it and call it evil. And then you have January 6th. And you have different type of rhetoric that came out of that. And you remember that dude with the the horns, like the Viking hat, and he had the, I guess, the fur on. They were calling him something like Q on and Charmin or something like that. 
Well, here's one comment that one guy said about him. Shoot him. Shoot him. Like, if it, you burst into the United States, if he was dressed like bin Laden, would you have shot him? Shoot him. What is the obsession with liberals and Democrats and violence and killing? What's the obsession? Why do you have so much hate? And if you support them, why do you have so much hate? Why do you hate other people to the point that you want to kill them and then you laugh and clap and support that? Why? Why are you so hateful on social media that you're going to go out there and cause someone or wish death upon someone or hope they get sick and die or whatever it is that you said over the last couple of years? Why are you so hateful? Why do you want them dead? Can you no longer have dialogue? Are you not smart enough? Are you not intelligent enough to have dialogue and conversation? It's on the heart. There's evil in the heart of men. Hatred in the heart of men. And it's becoming more and more callous. The heart is becoming more and more hardened. And that's over the course of four or five years. It's not a one-off. It's continually going that way. And it's getting worse. Political leaders setting the tone, setting the example of how much hate we should have to the point of killing celebrities. How many of you were pro Johnny Depp in that lawsuit? Talking about assassinating the president. Did you condemn that? Probably not. Because you don't care enough. If it doesn't affect you directly, you don't care. And if you do care, you're probably in agreement with their ideology So therefore, it's okay. It's okay to be able to hate and wish death and want to kill other people. But if someone says that to you, absolutely not. It's not okay. And then you get all dramatic, drama queen, about how bad they are. It happened that way during the the illness. Now it's politics. It's basically just hate in the heart, plain and simple. Audience members applaud. Fellow show participants laugh, applaud, agree. And only those with hate in their heart would cheer this violent rhetoric. So that's what's going on in our country today. And we're going to get to why people hate and some reasons, perhaps, why people hate. But there's a couple of examples of people that really experienced hate, really experienced the worst of mankind. The first is Martin Luther King Jr. You should be familiar with him, but I don't take anything for granted these days because there's a lot of people that might not know who Martin Luther King Jr. is. He was a a black man that led the civil rights movement He was eventually assassinated for his beliefs and for trying to get equality for all, mostly blacks, but for all. He had the I Had a Dream speech, which if you hadn't heard it or you have not heard it, I recommend you look it up on video search sites. In fact, a lot of his stuff you should look up because this was back in the 60s. So you can do the math, what, 60 years ago? And things haven't changed much over 60 years. In fact, it's really become 
more racially divided, or at least race is the the reason for the divide, but have we really become a racist or are we just using that rhetoric? But if you want to replace race with hate, we're just as divided amongst people with hate as there was with race back in the 60s with Martin Luther King and what he had to say. But he had a speech, and this is a little snippet of that speech about loving your enemies. I mean, think about it. Here's a guy that eventually was assassinated for his beliefs. He was killed. The worst form of hatred or the darkest form of hatred is killing somebody, murder. He was murdered for his belief because he wanted black people to be free. Jane Fonda, murder those politicians because of abortion. He also, throughout the course of his life, his kid's life, people he knows, people he knew, they were all uh, victimized. They were all, in some way, shape, or form, a victim of abuse, physical, mental, verbal, psychological, all that. Imagine the worst of times. So you hate today, and really you have nothing to complain about. You're not being vilified, like specifically vilified because you're leading a revolution of change so that people can be free. You might have an ideology and you might have a divide, but when it comes down to it, is anybody coming to your house? No, not unless you're a Supreme Court justice. Is anybody threatening you? Is anybody making you go sit someplace or drink out of that fountain or only eat at that restaurant? No, you can pretty much do anything you want. In fact, you have every single creature comfort a comfort creature of life, the creature comforts of life. You have your iPhone, you have your social media, you have your Twitter that you can rant on, that you can hate on, that you can wish death on. You have it all. You have plenty of food. You have everything. You're spoiled is what it is. Americans are spoiled. They don't know what it's like to want. And you've got a government that, that is divisive over it. But here's a guy that's had the worst of it. And this is what he says about loving your enemies. Then the Greek language has another word called agape. Agape is more than romantic love. Agape is more than friendship. Agape is not something affectionate. Agape is understanding, creative, redemptive goodwill for all men. It is an overflowing love which seeks nothing in return. Theologians would say that it is the love of God operating in the human heart. And when one rises to love on this level, he loves men not because he likes them, but he loves every man because God loves him. He goes on with that. And so he rises to the level of hating the system rather than the individual who is caught up in that system. He loves the person and hates the evil deed. And I think this is what Jesus meant when he said, love your enemies. And I'm happy that he didn't say like your enemies because it's pretty difficult to like some people. It's difficult to like people bombing your home and threatening your children and kicking you about. But Jesus says, love them, and love is greater than like. Love is greater than like. Has anyone firebombed your home? Probably not. Has anybody come to your home to try to take you out to lynch you? Probably not. Has anybody thrown vitriol in your face every single day, all day long? Probably not. 
I'm sure people might have said things to you to your face. Got you angry. Posted things on social media that got you angry. But then you hate the person. Or do you hate the system and love the person? Hate what they're doing, but love the person. He talks about agape love. We talked a little bit about love last time. And you have the different, according to psychology and philosophy and so forth, you've got different levels of love. But he's talking about an agape love, love that we really didn't get into too much last time. A love that seeks nothing in return. Wow. That's a concept for today. A love that seeks nothing in return. So you're going to do something out of the goodness of your heart or you're going to forgive somebody because you have love in your heart for that person. You might not like what they do. You might not like what they stand for. So think about it this way. You don't like what they do. You don't like what they stand for. You don't like what they believe in. You don't like their ideology or the fact that they're trying to impose that upon maybe your kids but yet you still love the person because that's what Jesus would want you to do. You love the person because that's the right thing to do. You love the person, but you hate the evil deed. It's hating the system rather than the person. It's loving every man because God loves them. And that's what it comes down to. It's the love of God in the human heart. And that's what we need more today than anything is that kind of love, that agape love, that love, that love, that loves without seeking anything in return. So Supreme Court justices struck down a law you don't like. Continue to fight. You can do that. You can do that through the political arena of votes and lobbying and things like that, but you really have to call out for murder, Jane Fonda, over politicians who vote a certain way. Obviously, you don't have love in your heart for them. Obviously, you don't love them. You hate them. You don't have good will for them. You have ill will, evil will for them. And again, what has anybody done to you that comes close to what Martin Luther King Jr. and others like him experienced. Probably nothing. And yet here he's talking about loving your enemies. Like he said, sure, it's, it's not, you're not going to like somebody. You're not going to like somebody that firebombs your home. You're not going to like somebody that invades your house, violates people that you love. You're not going to like them. But a love that he talks about a God-like love. We'll love the person, not the deed. Love the person, hate the system. You can hate the system of racism, but you can still love the racist. You can hate the evil deeds that the racist engages in, but you can still love the person because you can love the person as God loved that person. And that's what Martin Luther King Jr. keeps talking about over and over and over again. And it's just a snippet of a, of a speech that goes on for a much longer length of time. But could you love your enemies? If someone puts something on social media, do you get mad and fire back? I'm sure we all did that at one point. I know I crack back on some people. I didn't wish death upon anybody. I never wished ill will upon anybody. 
But yeah, I might fire back or might have had fired back during those hot times. But I had people wish me death, but I never did that to anybody. And yet here's a guy that's saying, love your enemy. So what do I do now? Delete and block or delete and get rid of. I'm not going to engage in that. If people want to engage in a dialogue that is constructive, let's do it. But if you're coming at me with your hate, if you're coming at me with some sort of agenda that's not going to be opening, uh, open to dialogue, it's going to go. Send you on your way because I'm not going to fuel the system of hate that continues to perpetrate on social media or other places, out in general public, wherever. I'm going to diffuse it, turn it down, because the soul of the person is way more important than arguing with the person and stirring up anger and stirring up hate. Another person that you might not be familiar with, her name is Corey Ten Boom. She was somebody who was in, um, I believe she was in Holland at the time during World War II, Nazi Germany. And she and her family hid Jews from the Nazis. Well, at some point, somebody either ratted her family out or they discovered it or they thought that she was doing it and her family was doing it. So they were all arrested and taken to a concentration camp. There's actually a movie out there, the Corey Ten Boom movie. And again, you might not be familiar with it. I believe she died in 1983, lived to be in her 90s. I believe the rest of her family, including her sister, who she was really close to, and I believe her father and mother, they were all killed in the concentration camps. She wasn't Jewish, but she was hiding Jews. Maybe even a bigger sin to the Third Reich because you didn't comply, because you didn't give in to their ideology, because you didn't view a certain group of people as bad, as disgusting, as lower than you. Because she rebelled, revolted, in essence, against an ideology that called for the death of Jewish people because she actively and purposefully hid Jews. She was arrested and taken to a concentration camp where her family was killed off. Now, she was able to survive by the grace of God and get through it. But imagine the terrible things that she experienced and went through. And in fact, there's a scene in the movie that depicts her in a kind of a dream state where she is trying to, well, she's actually killing a guard. And her sister intervenes and says, we can't have that hate in a heart for our captors. Now, she is a, was a person of faith, like Martin Luther King Jr. was. And so that faith, that belief system, rose above the hatred. Sure, she had thoughts of it, but she rose above it overall. And so eventually she got out, and I guess years later was walking the streets of Berlin when a man approached her. And apparently the man recognized Corey Ten Boom and approached her. And she talks about it, but I want to set the table first so you understand exactly what's going on. So the man 
was an SS guard at the concentration camp, a person who is personally responsible for the death, the violence, everything that she experienced, things that we can't even comprehend that she went through. This guy was responsible for it, was one of them, but he represented all of that. Well, somewhere along the way, this guard became a believer in Christ. He sought forgiveness and repentance from God. Now, you may not believe in God, and that's fine. You may believe in your own religion or believe in your own something. But I would imagine somewhere in there is a redemptive belief system. Maybe there's a second chance somewhere in your belief system, believing that people should have a second chance. Maybe you believe that people have a redemptive value to them. But would you believe that for the person that maybe wrote something nasty on your social media account? Maybe some person you don't really know because how well do we really know people on social media? I mean, let's be honest. How big would our friends list be if we didn't really have these strangers? Now, I've met some really cool people that were strangers to start with, and now they become really cool social media friends, a lot of engagements, interactions. But think back to the time when things were hostile, maybe Twitter, okay? People are saying mean, nasty things, calling you out with words. But here was somebody, a guard, at a concentration camp that was physically responsible for the death of people around her, including her family, including her sister. Corey Ten Boom's sister died. And ultimately she makes it out walking the streets of Berlin and sees this guard. And apparently the guard at one point, having become a person of faith, believing in God now, seeking repentance from God, actually ask God, would you allow me to seek forgiveness from one of the prisoners? Pretty interesting. He couldn't do it all, couldn't fathom to seek forgiveness from them all, but wanted to seek forgiveness from at least one. And then there is this interaction it was some time ago that I was in Berlin and there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Bohm, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel outseers in concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian, I have found the Lord Jesus, I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world, also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done, but then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Tambom, will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But when I saw, when I experienced that I could not forgive, suddenly I knew I myself have no forgiveness. 
But I was not able. I could not. I could only hate him. And then I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5 5. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. Would you shake the hands? of somebody that you witnessed do so many horrible things, the suffering of your sister, death at his hands. The very hand that she shook was the very hand that condemned to death multitudes of people through those concentration camps. Would you shake that hand? Probably not. Would I shake that hand? Well, she couldn't. She hated him in that instance. And then she remembered a Bible verse, remembering Romans 5.5, 5, remembering that God's love is stronger than our hate. Shook the guard's hand. Offered up forgiveness. And then she felt something come through her something so powerful. She was able to forgive her enemy. She only had hate. And then she remembered agape love. She remembered a love that seeks nothing in return. She had the love of God in her heart for that other person. She hated the system rather than the person. She loved the person, but hated the evil that person had done. She found redemption, or at least a redemptive reason to shake hands. But she couldn't do it. And then she asked at the end, can you forgive I couldn't either. But he can. God can. And sometimes that's what it takes. I mean, think about it. So you have Martin Luther King Jr. You have Corey Ten Boom. Now, Martin Luther King Jr. could never shake anybody's hand because he was assassinated. The hate-filled person that assassinated him ended his life. Corey Ten Boom had the opportunity to shake the guard's hand and offer forgiveness. Your hate, the hate of your politicians that you support, the hate of the groups and organizations that you support. Why? Why don't we call them out? Why can't we love like this? Because again, it goes back to the heart. Because that is, or I should say, what's in our heart comes out. And see, immediately, Corey Ten Boom had hate in her heart for the guy, and it came out right away. 
No, I cannot forgive you. I know what you did. I saw what you did. My sister died because of you. And then in an instant, she remembered God's love is stronger than our hate. Did a 180. Shook the guy's hand. I mean, if you don't think that's pretty powerful stuff, and again, I ask you, what has anybody done to you that's worse than that? Has anybody assassinated you? And yet your whole life you're calling for forgiveness and loving your enemies. Don't get me wrong, Martin Luther King Jr. did not just allow things to happen. He fought. I have a dream speech, street sweeper speech. He put it out there. He was assassinated because he was proactive in his belief system. Absolutely. And people didn't like it. Corey Ten Boom may be less passive, although she did go around after she was released and had a speaking career. But in that moment, she had the ability to forgive those people that, in essence, were trying to kill her too and killed many people that she knew. And yet we get offended because we got some social media comments against us. We get offended because maybe some politicians that people voted for vote differently or enact laws differently than what you believe. And so you call for the murder of them. It stems from the heart. Why do people hate? Well, we saw a couple of examples of why people could hate and probably very justifiable reasons as why people could hate. Because what was done to us, we should give it back to them. But God's love is stronger than our hate. Why do people hate? Well, maybe because they want a scapegoat. They have low self-esteem. Maybe things aren't going their way. So they want to blame somebody else. They want to funnel the blame or they want to funnel blame to somebody else, but they're the ones with the issue. So you have an issue You can't handle it, and so you're going to blame somebody else for it. Blame a former president. Blame a political party. Blame people that don't want to get jabbed. Blame people that don't want to wear something over their face because their belief system is different. But yet, it's because of you I'm going to die. So I hope you get sick and die. When truth exposes that, people get mad. People are lonely. Maybe they're seeking connections. Maybe those connections are with people that are hateful. And so they buy into that. Misery loves company. We've all heard that. I want you to join me in my misery. And so we're going to hate. People want to belong. And sometimes it's belonging or the want to belong, or the longing to belong, where they start to kind of get into that gray area of their beliefs. And so they start believing somebody and their ideology because they want to be a part of something. It's the reason why people join cults and other groups, why they join hate groups. Because, again, let's say you have person A, and let's just say he's racist, white supremacist. But being alone, he's on an island, eh, can't have that. So he goes and joins a hate group. LGBT, you don't like the way people are treating you, maybe because it's real or perceived, whatever. So you start joining groups, and then you start spreading that ideology, maybe that message of hate. They don't like us because of who we are, so we're going to hate them back. 
We're going to be non-tolerant in the name of tolerance. Maybe people fear the unknown. So instead of investigating, so instead of investigating and trying to figure it out and try to get to know something, you hate on it because you don't know it. Maybe your insecurity or their insecurity or insecurities, if there's many, get the best of them. I mean, people, people will sit there and they will project their anxiety in a hateful way. And they'll do it to others and make that other person look bad, right? So then they could feel good about themselves. So I'm going to make you feel bad. I feel bad about myself. I'm insecure. Maybe you're new to the group. And then we don't know much about you, but you've got a lot of good stuff going on. makes me feel inferior. So now I'm going to bad talk you and make you look to be someone who is lower than me so that I can feel better about myself. That happens all the time. We learn that in junior high and high school, maybe even elementary school these days. Sometimes hatred can define social lines and boundaries. We've seen that all through 2020. Remember that Chaz or that chop that was in Seattle, the Capitol Hill autonomous zone or whatever that was. Remember that? Well, these were people that were anti-police, anti-borders, anti-government, anti-anti-anti. They were pro-anarchy, pro-chaos. But then what happened when they got their chop zone? Well, they put up a fence around it, had armed guards keeping other people out, the undesirables out. They did the very thing that they hated. Why? So if you're anti-police, why do you have a security force marching around with guns, keeping people out of your chop zone? Why are you having a form of government in the hierarchy, someone in charge, when that's what you're speaking out against? So it doesn't make sense. When you break it down, it doesn't make sense. Again, these people, anti-establishment, anti-police, anti-government, anti-boundaries. But then they created all that for their autonomous zone. I think most of all, hate, why people hate, it fills a void. People have a void. And so they hate. And then that hate might become their identity. And so then they continue on in that hate because that void is being filled. They continue on in that identity because that's who they are. I mean, think about gangs. Remember the Bloods and the Crips hated each other because one wore blue, one wore red. One lived in a certain area. The others lived in another area. Pretty much break it down in simplistic terms. Obviously, it's a complex issue where one size answer does not fit all problems, but you can break it down to a sense of belonging, a sense of identity, filling a void that wasn't there. Religious groups are that way. Sports, you're part of a team, right? Maybe a band, you get your identity through music, maybe through your job. And when your job goes south or something's going wrong within that group that you're a part of, so you start to hate because that void is starting to reappear and you're starting to get empty again. And so people will hate 
and hate towards each other grows. And it's growing, and it's growing at a cancerous rate in our society because nobody's stopping it or calling it out. Every single example, every single person, for the most part, that's out there, whether it be politicians, you can look at sports figures, you can look at celebrities, you can look at a lot of different people that could step in and be like, we need to stop this. But they don't. They move it forward. They push the needle forward because that's what they want to be because of all this. They need a scapegoat. Maybe they're lonely. Maybe they're seeking connection, connection of ideology. So, yeah, my ideology is the same as yours, but yours is a little bit more radical, but I'm just going to accept it because I want to be a part of that. They fear the unknown, fear change. They feel insecure about themselves, and they're trying to fill a void. So as we move forward, are you going to be one of these people that continue to hate? Are you going to be someone that is like Martin Luther King, loving your enemies, at least preaching loving your enemies? Because I'm sure he forgave them as life went on, but he never really got to forgive them like Corey Ten Boom did because he was assassinated and killed. Corey Ten Boom, she faced the evil, the hate, right there on the streets of Berlin. And despite the fact that now that guard, that Nazi, had the same religious belief that she did, had the same redemption from God that she did, in that moment, she could not forgive. Hate came out. But then she realized God's love is stronger than our hate. And she was able to forgive him, reach out the hand, and shake the hand. Shake that hand of death that now became a hand of love. So what are you going to do? Again, I ask you, what has anybody done to you that's worse than this to cause you to hate? Could be some valid things. But for a lot of us, probably not. A political ideology, no. A religious ideology, probably not. Has anybody assassinated you? No. Maybe people in your family have been gunned down, crime. I get that. There's not a one-size-fits-all thing. But if you're just hating people because of a, of a political ideology, remember Pope John Paul, I believe it was Pope John Paul II, he went and visited his would-be assassin in prison to forgive him. And there's a myriad of other examples. But are you going to be someone that's going to continue to hate? Or are you going to be someone that's going to rise above that, love your enemy like Martin Luther King preached? Forgive your enemy like Corey Tamboom did. That's up to you. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, you can uh, check out our website at radiowarp.com. That's radio, W-A-R-P, radiowarp.com. There's a multitude of things that go on there, but for one, you can click on the Two Steps Ahead podcast logo and all of our shows come up all the video shows come up you can connect or click on one of the videos and connect to our rumble page you can subscribe and never miss an episode there's also a banner headline for our soundcloud which is our audio account for all the shows you can click on that and subscribe you can download the audio episodes and take them with you on the go 
You can also um, go to our merchandise shop and get some pretty cool merchandise like the hat, for example. Uh, there's a listen live link where you can listen to some live music. It's a 24-7 streaming online radio station that has music and has other podcasts and some other entertainment things going on. Um, and then there's some other podcasts on the website as well that you can check out. So RadioWarp.com, that's Radio, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can, again, like I said, subscribe to our SoundCloud or Rumble. Never miss an episode. You get notified when a new show goes up. You can listen to the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. So Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia, you just name it. Um, you can just search in your search engine, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, with that TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and all of our stuff pops up. Um, if you're sitting on your couch, don't want to get up, hey, Google, hey, Siri, hey, Alexa, play TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up on that as well. So many ways to find us and many ways you can hear us. And if you like what you hear and you think others can benefit it, uh, benefit from it, please spread the word. We'd really appreciate that. And, uh, and it'd just be really cool to, you know, be able to try to help others. Because, again, the show is all about raising the standard, bringing out our inner greatness. So we bring out our inner greatness by raising the standards in our life. And then by doing that, Hopefully we are taking our passion and we're making it happen. We're letting ourselves be great. And then as we elevate ourselves, hopefully in the positive, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, then others will see us and be like, hey, wait a minute, that person is elevating themselves. And whatever it might be, they're getting better. They're being positive. They're making a a good impact. I want to do something. So now you're inspiring them and motivating them, influencing them for the good. So you don't need social media to be an influencer. You can be an influencer in your community just by the way you act, the way you are. And then maybe they do that and somebody else sees that. And then it goes on and on, kind of like the old Pantene commercial and so on and so on and so on. And multiple people would then begin to show up on the screen, right? So one person now is impacting a whole group of people for the good. And now your community, your neighborhood, whatever it is you're a part of is now getting better and improving, making positive change. And that's all we can ask for. So again, check us out, radiowarp.com. Listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can check us out on Instagram at TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. You can also check out my personal page at Edem Rocks, E-I-D-E-M, R-O-C-K-S, and you get a little bit uh, more about me. Also on Facebook, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, um, for our Facebook page as well. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.